Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. This is Abdul Nasser Jengda, and you're listening to the Qalam Podcast. The Qalam Podcast has become an important part of people's lives all around the world. There are millions of people benefiting from the podcast every single day. Thousands of hours of content, dozens of different series from all the different teachers and scholars here at Qalam. All of this is delivered to the community free of charge. We are excited and actively working to grow and increase our efforts to deliver more and more benefit to the community. We ask you to support our efforts and become part of the Qalam family. Please go to qalamfamily.com and sign up to contribute to this Sadaqa Jariya on a monthly basis. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us Jazakumullahu khairan wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu Bismillah walhamdulillah assalatu wassalam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu Alhamdulillah we are now on verse number uh, verse number 77 we touched upon verse number 77 last uh, Wednesday, and uh, we had just kind of, you know, uh, you know, barely given a glimpse of the response that uh, the brothers, the tribe of Ya'qub, of the brothers of Yusuf alayhi salam, they had in response to the uh, allegation that Binyamin uh, had stolen uh, the goblet, a siqaya, from the king, right? Um, and I mentioned that what they had responded with was something that actually irked Yusuf alayhi salam. It actually bothered him a little bit. And you'll see why. You'll soon see why exactly Yusuf alayhi salam was bothered by the, the response that his brothers uh, gave when they found out that uh, Benjamin's bag was the bag that the goblet was found in. And so they mention in verse number 77, the brothers, they say, they said, if he stole in Yasriq, if, 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 if he was found to be a thief that had stolen, they say, that know that there was a brother of his that stole before him. Okay, so essentially what they are doing is they are rubbing salt on the wounds and saying, well, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree as we say it, right? That if, you know, his, if the brother has stolen, just know that this is a genetic thing, right? The, there's another brother that he had, his full brother, in fact, that was also accused of doing things that were, you know, uh, looked down upon and shameful, etc., etc. Obviously, you and I know that they're lying. But Yusuf alayhi salam, he provides a unique perspective that they in fact even don't know about the fact that he is the subject of who they're actually accusing, right? And so this is where we get the following part of the ayah where they say, uh, uh, It said that Yusuf kept it within himself, okay? وَلَمْ يُبْدِهَا لَهُمْ قَالَ أَنْتُمْ شَرُّ مَكَانًا وَاللَّهُ أَعْلَمُ بِمَا تَصِفُونَ That uh, he kept it within himself and he said to himself, 
you are worse in position and Allah is knowing exactly of what you're describing or what you're allegating me of doing. And Ibn Kathir rahimahullah says that this kind of statement that was found in the second half of ayah number 77, Yusuf alayhi salam, he said to himself. He didn't say it out loud. Because if he had said out loud that, you know, indeed you're in a worse position and Allah is knowing exactly of what you did, then obviously they would respond to him and say, well, what do you mean? How do you know that we're in a worse position, you know, than you are? And then obviously he would have to reveal who his, what his actual identity is. But so Ibn Kathir, he says that Yusuf salam he actually said this statement to himself. And the proof of that is that, فَأَسَرَّهَا يُوسُفَ فِي نَفْسِهِ فِي نَفْسِهِ It means he kept it to himself. Okay? And this proves a very, very fundamental principle, by the way, in our religion, that controlling the tongue is of paramount importance at certain times of your life. Right? Even, even if that moment you are the one who is in the right. Right? That famous hadith that we are familiar with where the Prophet ﷺ, who says that if there is a person who leaves an argument, a person who walks away from a, a, you know, a conflict or a, an altercation, even when they know they are right, there is a palace waiting for them in paradise. Right? Uh, we all know this, but how many of us can actually practice it? You know, some of us, unfortunately, even engage in argument when we know we're wrong. <laughs> I know that I'm wrong, but I still have to prove my point. I can't let this person win. So imagine the reward of a person who leaves something for the better, even when they know they are right. And think about how many times in the life of the Prophet ﷺ, he had to practice this. Where the Quraysh kept telling him, no, 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 you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. How dare you? You're a, you know, Sha'ir, Kahin, all these different names that they would call him. And the Prophet ﷺ would continue to do his business. Leave this argument. It's not worth my time right now. Allah will give me a time where it's worth engaging in this. And this is the hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That there are moments in which your efforts are worth your, 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 your time. But there are some times where you, it's not worth the effort that you would put in. It's better that you just leave it. And let Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do what He does. Not everything requires our active participation. This is something that's very important, by the way. Human beings have a very hard time letting go. Just let go of the situation. Because people have this fear of losing control. That if I let go of something, if I don't get that last word in, that I'm going to lose the situation. La la la. Rather, in fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises that if you let go of a situation that Allah ta'ala has told you to let go of, Allah will actually increase you. And this is a huge, huge, you know, uh, you know, lesson for all of us. So he lets go of the situation and he says to himself, وَلَمْ يُبْدِهَا لَهُمْ قَالُوا أَنْتُمْ شَرُّ مَكَانًا وَاللَّهُ عَلَمُ بِمَا تَصِفُونَ That, uh, uh, you know, you are the one who is, uh, he's telling himself, Yusuf, know that they are, in a, it, they know that they are wrong. You know that they are wrong. You know that they are not right. You know that they are accusing you of something that's false. Have patience. Be poised. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows exactly who's in the correct. And one another, you know, very important principle here is that people who are innocent and are in the clear, they don't have to worry all the time about defending their own honor, by the way. People who are in the clear, their conscience is clear, they don't always have to worry about defending themselves. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will defend you for you. Yes? Evidence is Surah Al-Maryam. 
Maryam السلام, became pregnant miraculously, had a child miraculously. The people of her community accused her of, you know, how could you do this? They would call her, oh, the sister of, of, of Harun. How could you possibly do something like that? And who is the one that ends up defending Maryam السلام, his Her own son, Isa. Allah gave him the miracle of speech from the cradle. When Aisha radiallahu anha was accused by the hypocrites of Medina, by the munafiqun of Medina, to have uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, done something shameful, a'udhu billah, our mother, when they accused her, you know, Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Surul, this hypocrite in Medina says, oh Aisha, I saw her walk back to Medina with a, a random man who we don't even know who, who he is and why is the Prophet not with her? All these different allegations. And Aisha radiallahu anha was so sick to her stomach by hearing these things. Who defended her at the end of the day in Surah An-Nur? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So one thing that we agree as an ummah is that not always do we have to open our mouths to constantly say our own peace. Leave it and let Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala handle it. He will handle it better than you can ever handle it. Okay? Absolutely. 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 Just understand when to let go. Okay? And so then in verse number 78, in verse number 78, the brothers, they continue speaking. They say to Yusuf alayhi salam, Qalu ya ayyuhal aziz. They say to the Aziz Yusuf alayhi salam, Inna lahu aban shaykhan kabiran. That, oh, you know, our, our father is an old man. He's trying to kind of draw, they're trying to draw some sympathy from, from Yusuf. Our father is an old man. Inna, inna, hu, uh, uh, inna lahu aban shaykhan kabiran. Fakhud ahadana makanahu. Inna naraka minal muhsineen. They say, He's an old man, so take one of us in the place of Benjamin. Indeed, we see you as a doer of good. Meaning that, yes, you know, Yusuf did that wise thing, by the way. I remember if anybody has remembered this from last week, that Yusuf actually allowed them to lay out the punishment for the guilty party. And this is how he was able to actually hold Benjamin back. He said, well, what do you think is the punishment of the person who fits the crime? And, and the brothers, they themselves, they say, well, the person who fits the crime, they should be held uh, you know, uh, accountable for what they have done. And the culture of that time was that the one who is stolen, the one who is the, 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 the suspect of the theft, is going to end up being the slave of the victim that they've stolen from. So this is what gave Yusuf Islam the right to hold Benjamin back. And so they ate their own words. Now Benjamin is subject to be held back by, by Yusuf alayhi salam. And they say, oh, you know, our father's an older man and he needs his son back. And so we need to take him back to our father. How about you take one of us in his place? How about this? Let's, let's strike a compromise here. You know, I know what we said, but, you know, I didn't realize our brother was going to be the one that was guilty of this thing. Right. So why don't you hold one of us back? And they say to him, Indeed, we see you as a good man. We see you as a righteous man. We see you as a good doer. You know, why don't you see some sort of reason here? Take one of us instead. Hold one of us instead. Let Benjamin go. Okay? And Yusuf alayhi salam, he responds. He responds to his brothers. And he says, Qala ma'adha Allah. Qala ma'adha Allah. 
Ma'adullah, like I said again a long time ago, Ma'adullah is almost like a figure of speech that they used to use at that time saying like, oh, help me God, right? Ma'adullah, okay? He says, Ma'adullah, he says, أَن نَأْخُدَ إِلَّا مَنْ وَجَدْنَا مَتَاعَنَا عِنْدَهُ إِنَّا إِذَنْ لَظَالِمُونَ He says, oh my goodness, you know, he says, Ma'adullah, by God, it would not be befitting of me to take except the one who we found our possession in. Indeed, that would be inna idan la zalimun. That would be a great injustice. I can't take someone that you know didn't commit the crime. The punishment must fit the crime. And this is in fact a principle of Islam, by the way. This is something that I hope everyone has actually known. In Surah Al-Fatir, Surah number 35, ayah number 18, Allah says, وَلَا تَزِرُوا وَازِرَةٌ وِزْرَ أُخْرَى That no soul should bear the burden of another soul. This is a principle of what makes Islam what it is. This is what makes us fundamentally disagree with Christian doctrine. That how can a person die for your sins? How can a person carry the sins of a person who's not even born yet? How does this logically make any sense? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refutes it right away. He says that, That no bearer of burdens will bear the burden of another person. That your sin is your own sin. This person's sin is their own sin. My sin is my own sin. Haris cannot ask Allah, Oh Allah, take his sin away and give it to me. No matter how much we, you know, a mother would want to, oh, take my son's sins away and give it to me. This is not something that is allowed in our religion even. Now you can ask Allah to forgive that person. You can ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, oh Allah, forgive him. Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, forgive her. You know, when a person passes away, we make that dua, wipe away their sins. But nobody can bear the punishment of another person. This is the beauty of our, our legal system as, as Muslims. You know, this is where Islam comes in and gives us such a beautiful perspective of what justice really is. That justice is not, you know, it sounds nice. Oh yeah, this person died for your sins. So be free of your sin. Right? Like, if that's the case, I'll do whatever I want. I'll go out and do whatever I want. My sins are taken care of. This guy died. Right? He passed away for what I did. And this is, I remember, I, remember, I mean, I don't, I don't like engaging in... Uh, you know, interreligious rhetoric at, at times. But I remember one time I got into a very friendly conversation with a, a, a pastor that I once knew, uh, you know, as I, when I was serving in my, my time in, in Tennessee. And we had an interfaith program. And during the interfaith program, mashallah, obviously everyone's holding hands and, you know, having a good time. And then afterwards, when you're getting into those private conversations about theology and these different things, you're like, oh, so what do you believe in? You know, what's the, the response to this and this and this and this? And they, oh, well, you know, I, and I asked them, I said, well, one of the fundamental, you know, belief systems in, in, in the Christian doctrine is that you believe that, you know, uh, that Jesus, you know, died for your sins. You know, help me, help me understand this, right? Help me understand. And he said, oh, well, you know, the, the Father loves you so much that he passed away for your sin. I said, well, so, so the Father is Jesus. Oh, no, well, the Father is Jesus plus his God. And all. It, like, it, at the end of that entire conversation, I remember one thing, I prayed to Raka'af Shukra. <laughs> Just like, thank, th- thank Allah that our belief system is this simple. One God, Prophet 
you commit a sin, you ask Allah for forgiveness by yourself. <laughs> don't go to any saint. Don't go to even the imam. Just make dua by yourself. Better than any dua that anyone can make. Okay? So this is something that is, that is extremely important for us to remember here, which is that Yusuf alayhi salam, he enacted that, that, that law. He says that, you know, Benjamin was the one who was guilty of stealing. I cannot replace Benjamin with one of you. Inna idan la Indeed, I would be of those who are zalim. Zalim in Arabic means one who is oppressive. Right? And doing any sort of injustice upon a person, we call dhulm, oppression. Right? And dhulm is one of the worst things that a person can be accused of. Let alone a prophet of Allah. Right? So he says that, I cannot do what you're asking me to do. Okay? And so then, these brothers, they turn to one another because their last effort to convince Yusuf of something didn't end up working out. They proposed, you know, our father is an elderly man, draw some sympathy from him. They proposed that one of them should stay in Benjamin's place instead of Benjamin because they knew Benjamin was very beloved to Ya'qub. So now what do we do? So let's gather together and discuss the next plan. So they gathered together, So they gathered together when they despaired. Basically means like when they ran out of all other hope. They were desperate. Remember, I mean, this is a very difficult situation. Long time ago, they had already broken the trust of their father. The father was already hesitant about sending Benjamin with them this time. He makes them promise to God that they will return back with him. And now all of a sudden, strike two. Benjamin is now going to stay back. So, فَلَمَّا stay asu. They're in a very tight spot. خَلَصُ And so they gathered in private conversation. Okay? خَلَصُ نَاجِيًا قَالَ كَبِيرُهُمْ and so the oldest one speaks in their private meeting. Okay? Qala kabiruhum. Kabiruhum. Now who is this kabiruhum? Now Ibn Kathir rahimahullah and all the other leading mufassirun, they say that the kabiruhum that is being referred to here is the eldest brother. The eldest brother. And the eldest brother, we remember, if anyone remembers, there's a couple of different uh, opinions about what his name was. The first one, uh, opinion, the most popular one, was that his name was Yehuda. This was the eldest one. Okay. The second opinion is that his name was Rubil. Okay. Yehuda or Rubil. One of these two brothers. This is basically oldest number one and oldest number two. And this was the same brother who, by the way, was the one who said a long time ago, qala qalu minhum. Qala qailun minhum. La taqtulu Yusuf. Remember a long time ago he said, when all the other ones were saying, Uqtulu Yusuf, let's kill him. This is the one. Qala qailun minhum. One of them said, La taqtulu, don't kill him. So he was the one of all the brothers who felt the most for Yusuf. He was the one that always felt the most. The one that always gave a little bit of pushback. To the rest of the brothers' decisions. The rest of the brothers were just kind of playing to their own fiddle, as they would say. 
One would propose an idea, the other one would say, great idea. The other one would come by and say, yes, great, let's do this. The oldest one, Yahuda, would always be the one that says, no, 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 let's not do that. Because if it wasn't for his guilt, Yusuf may possibly could have been not here at this point. So the oldest one, Qala Kabiruhum, the oldest one, he says, Alam ta'alamu anna abakum qad akhada alaykum mawthiqa min Allahi. He says, the, do you not know that your father has taken upon you an oath by Allah? He's reminding them. He says, do you not remember that our father had made us swear, taken an oath by Allah, mawthiqan min Allahi. Literally, he made us promise to God that we won't come back without him. وَمِنْ قَبْلُ مَا فَرَّطْتُمْ فِي يُوسُفَ Do you forget that he made us promise an oath? That you had failed already when it came to Yusuf so many years ago. Need I remind you what happened 40 years ago? We made an oath to him and we, we, we got Yusuf rid of back then. And now he made us plan and make an oath again and now we're failing again. فَلَنْ أَبْرَحَ الْأَرْضَ حَتَّى يَأْذَنَ لِأَبِي أَوْ يَحْكُمُ اللَّهُ لِي وَهُوَ خَيْرُ الْحَاكِمِينَ He says, because of this, we made an oath to our father, long time ago, and now again. He goes, I will never leave. فَلَنْ أَبْرَحَ الْأَرْضَ حَتَّى يَأْذَنَ لِأَبِي أَوْ يَحْكُمُ اللَّهُ He goes, I'm not going to leave. Until our father gives me permission or Allah gives me permission. So the oldest one saying, You all can go back, I'm not leaving. You all go back, I'm not leaving. I'm not disappointing my father again. I can't look at that man in the face and say, Well, I lost another one of them. That's not something that I can do with my, with my time or my heart. So you all can go back and I'm going to stay here and you tell me whatever comes of and whatever happens after you talk to our father again. This is, by the way, the, 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 the reality of keeping up a, a, a promise. Because the other brothers are like, oh man, what do we do now? We lost another one. What lie now are we going to make up for our father? The eldest one says, I can't go back to him. I cannot break this promise. Because what was, the, what was the promise? The promise was that you bring Benjamin back or just stay there. Stay there. Don't leave. Stay in your position. And so the oldest brother says, I have to stay in my position. My father said that if I can't bring him back, then don't come back. This is the, you know, at least one of the, the, the scholars they mention is, you know, even though the, the hearts of these brothers were very troubled, the eldest one had a little bit of consciousness to him. And this is where, you know, we have to assess the state of our own qalb, our own heart. Where does it lie? Do we just make and break promises left and right? Or do we take our oath seriously? There's a very famous statement of the Prophet ﷺ where he mentions a, a, a hadith that 
you know, describes nifaq, hypocrisy. And this is a, a hadith that is considered muttafaqun alayh, which means that it's found in Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was narrated by Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu, qara Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, min alamatil munafiqi thalathatun. He says that among the signs of a hypocrite are thalath, three. Okay? And he says, وَإِن صَامَ وَصَلَّ وَزَعَمَ أَنَّهُ مُسْلِمٌ He says, and if a person, even if he fasts and prays and claims to be Muslim. This is a serious hadith. That there's three signs of a hypocrite. Even if a person, وَإِن صَامَ They fast. وَصَلَّ And they pray. وَزَعَمَ أَنَّهُ مُسْلِمٌ And even they claim to be Muslim. If they inhabit these three character traits, then they are guilty of allowing nifaq to enter their hearts. And so the Prophet says, إِذَا حَدَّثَ كَذَبًا That when they speak, كَذَب They lie. That's the first one. Then, وَإِذَا وَعَدَ أَخْلَفَ When he gives a promise, أَخْلَف They break it. They break their promise. وَإِذَا تُمِنَ خَانَ And when they are entrusted with something, they betray that trust. So three signs of hypocrisy according to the Prophet ﷺ. إِذَا حَدَّثَ كَذَبًا Speak, they lie. وَإِذَا وَعَدَ أَخْلَفَ They make a promise, they break their promise. أَخْلَفَ They break their wa'ad, their, 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 their promise. وَإِذَا تُمِنَ خَانَ And when they are entrusted with something, they betray that trust. Now, you know, what's the difference between the, the final two? Because the first one is very clear. إِذَا حَدَّثَ كَذَبَ You know, when you speak, you lie. What's the difference between promising and breaking a promise and, give, and, and, and having a trust and breaking that trust? The, the, this basically what it means is active and passive in, 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 in Arabic. What is what you would call it. So when a person إِذَا وَعَدَ أَخْلَفَ is basically you initiating a promise and you breaking it, أَخْلَفَ And وَإِذَا تُمِنَ خَانَ means when you're given a trust and you betray that trust. Understood? So one is an active, I'm making a promise with you and I'm gonna break it. The other is you're given a trust by somebody, an amana by somebody and you betray that person's amana. So these are the three traits of nifaq, hypocrisy, according to the hadith in Bukhari and Muslim. And so this older brother, he thinks about the oath, the qasam that he took with his father, and he says, I cannot break this. I cannot, in my, in my knowledge, I cannot break this. And so he vows to stay right there. I'm going to remain here until my father permits me to leave or Allah gives me permission to leave. And he says, وَهُوَ خَيْرُ الْحَاكِمِينَ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best of all judges. Okay? And so, he says to his brothers, since I'm staying here, we're now in ayah number 81, for those following along. He says, أَرْجِعُوا إِلَىٰ أَبِيكُمْ فَقُولُوا Now when you go back to your father, فَقُولُوا Say to him, 
يَا أَبَانَ إِنَّا أَبْنَكَ سَرَقَ وَمَا شَهِدْنَا إِلَّا بِمَا عَلِمْنَا وَمَا كُنَّا لِلْغَيْبِ حَافِظِينَ <coughs> He says, go back to your father and tell your father, O oh, our father, يَا أَبَانَ Our father, إِنَّا أَبْنَكَ سَرَقَ Your son has stolen. Okay? Your son has stolen. And... We did not testify except to what we know. وَمَا شَهِدْنَا إِلَّا بِمَا عَلِمْنَا We're only telling you what we know. We're not telling you anything else. We're telling you everything that we know. وَمَا كُنَّا لِلْغَيْبِ حَافِظِينَ And we were not witness to anything else that we didn't see. Basically saying that we're telling you honestly whatever we know. There's nothing else that we can possibly tell you or make you know of because everything else is completely, they actually say, لِلْغَيْبِ It's unknown to us. Because are they, and, 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 and here's the very interesting question. Are they telling the truth here? They are telling the truth. They don't know anything more. They don't know that Yusuf السلام, had planted the cup inside of Benjamin's back. They don't know that this is a plan of Yusuf السلام. All they know is that Benjamin had been alleged been allegated to have stolen this cup and they're to tell their father what they know. But here's the problem. But here's the problem. Are they going to be believed again? See, this is the issue. This is the issue. This right here, this ayah, it proves that a person who has told a lie before can tell the truth. Doesn't mean that just one time because they lie that they're a liar forever. No, not necessarily. A person who has lied in their past can tell the truth. But will that truth hold any weight? This is the issue. This is the problem. You see, like all the people that are sitting here right now, I can guarantee you, there are memories within our minds where we've told a lie to our families or our loved ones or whatever. And the next time we tell the truth, we, we complain to the, oh, you never believe me. Well, they're not wrong. They're not wrong to not believe you. Trust is very hard to build. It's very easily broken and very hard to build. It is one of the hardest things to build again. And it is a very easy thing to break. And this is the, this is the reason we ever wondered why Siddiq is such an important part of our religion. Truth telling. Why would the Prophet ﷺ, why would he try to ingrain truth into this religion? This religion has to be truth. Allah has to be truth. Quran has to be truth. The words that we speak have to be the truth. Because if there's any lie ever, even if it's surrounded by 99% truth, that one lie will taint all of it. Will taint the rest of it. This is why like even small lies in Islam are said, just don't do it. Just don't do it. Avoid even telling small lies. Because it will question, it will make people question your validity. The Prophet ﷺ wouldn't even lie even during, hadith would say, when he was joking. Even when he would tell jokes, he wouldn't lie. Think about how many of us we joke and we, you know, have moments of, 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 of leisure and, uh, you know, can't, like can't, you know, just lay back and, you know, carelessness at times and we tell, we tell lies in our jokes because they're funny. 
The Prophet said, no, no, even in my jokes, I wouldn't tell lies. Why? Because we think it's such a small, trivial moment, but people remember things. People remember things. And nowadays we have this art of what we call telling white lies. Like telling small lies, stretching the truth. And this is not a part of the, the prophetic principle. We may not think it's a big deal, but those small lies, they begin to have an effect on people's minds and their memory of you. And so, he continues, uh, and he tells his brother, he gives his brothers more advice, his younger brothers. He says, uh, And and, and ask the city in which we were in, in the caravan in which we came, and indeed we are truthful. Basically, you know, uh, this, this older brother, Yehuda, he's basically telling his brothers, saying, tell our father everything that you know. Tell our father everything that you know. Get, get, no, don't leave any stone unturned. Try to tell him everything that you know, so that at least that he may believe you. Even there's like a fraction of a chance that he may believe you. And so, when they go back, they go back and tell their father everything that they have just experienced. I mean, can you imagine? SubhanAllah, I want everyone to take a small break right now. <coughs> take a small break. And now think in your own heart. How would you try to reconcile the situation? You know, you and this stage didn't do anything wrong. You committed a great sin in the past. But in this particular circumstance... Your conscience is, alhamdulillah, it's clear. There was nothing that, you know, was done that was out of, you know, out of bad intent from your side at this point. But you know, going back and telling your father, Yaqub, who's already very, very hesitant about your truthfulness, he's going to not believe you. So how do you come into this situation and try to convince your father that you're telling the truth at this moment? So they try their best, they give the, the, the explanation that their oldest brother, Yahuda, gives them. And they tell their father exactly what had happened. And Yaqub alayhi salam, he responds with verse number 83. In verse number 83, Yaqub he speaks, قَالَ بَلْ سَوَّلَتْ لَكُمْ أَنفُسُكُمْ أَمْرًا فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيلٌ عَصَى اللَّهُ أَنْ يَأْتِيَنِي بِهِمْ جَمِيعًا إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْعَلِيمُ الْحَكِيمُ So Yaqub, he now responds, and he says, قَالَ بَلْ سَوَّلَتْ لَكُمْ أَنفُسُكُمْ He says, rather, your souls have enticed you to do something wrong again. Your souls have enticed you to do something wrong again. And he says, so in this situation, Amran, he says, فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيلٌ He says, so patience is most fitting for me at this moment. At this moment. Now where was this same statement uttered? Back all those years ago when they lost Yusuf Literally, if you go back actually, this is verse number 83. I'm not really sure exactly which ayah he said this previously, but somebody can look this up and find it very easily. It might be ayah number like 12 or 13 or 14 or something like that. 
He said the exact same phrase. That your souls have enticed you to commit this evil. And Muhammad ibn Ishaq, the great scholar, he says that when they went back to Yaqub and told him what had happened, he did not believe them and thought that this was a repetition of what happened all those years ago. So he said this, But your souls have enticed you towards this evil. Some scholars, they even say, that since this new development came after what they did to Yusuf, they were given the same judgment later uh, to this later incident as they were given when they did what they did to Yusuf. So this is why Yaqub said again, فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيلٌ So I will be patient again. Because at this point, what do you do? Your sons are committing the same crime over and over and over and over again. They're doing the same thing over and over again. If there's any parent in here who has ever wondered, why does my kid continue to do the same bakwas over and over again? Read the surah. I gave my kid one chance. He messed up. Then I understood. I forgave him. He asked me again, Mama, Baba, can I do this? They do the same thing again. What am I supposed to do? I give this kid chance after chance after chance after chance. And they do the same thing over and over again. What am I supposed to do here? So Yusuf alayhi salam, or Yaqub alayhi salam, he says, فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيلٌ He says, so patience is most fitting for me. عَسَى اللَّهُ أَنْ يَأْتِيَنِي بِهِمْ جَمِيعًا Perhaps Allah will bring them all together to me. And by the way, that phrase right there, that عَسَى اللَّهُ أَنْ يَأْتِيَنِي بِهِمْ جَمِيعًا This جَمِيعًا, جَمَاعًا What it means is that جَمَاعْ by the way, uh, linguistically and legally in Islam means how many? Anyone? It means at least three. Very good. At least three. So this is evidence of anyone who actually disagrees that the oldest brother remained behind, this is the evidence of that, 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 that truth. So Jami'an was referring to Yusuf, Jami'an was referring to Benjamin, and Jami'an was referring to Yahuda, the oldest one. Because Jama'ah cannot be two people. Jami'an, Jama'ah has to be three. And so he says, that yatiyani bihim jami'an. That if Allah wills, He will bring them all three of them back to me. hakim, And Allah is the all-knowing and the all-wise. And inshallah, we'll end with verse number 84. Because this ayah is heavy. And the ayahs that come after are very heavy. So, and I want everyone to pay attention that ayah number 84 is where Yaqub alayhi salam lets his human side show a little bit. Because in 83 he says, فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيلٌ That I'll be patient. I'm going to observe beautiful patience. And Allah, if He wills, He will return them all back to me. He is the all-wise, the all-knowing. This is a very prophetic response, right? But everybody in here knows that in Islam, there are moments where human beings will just be human beings. And this is the beauty of it all. And I'll give you an evidence of this as well, that you know, if people don't believe me here, this is very important to remember. Even the Prophet ﷺ had moments where his human side actually was very, very strong. 
And one of those was the example of Wahshi. The man who was responsible for killing Hamza radiallahu anhu. That when Wahshi came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself, he would say that I had a hard time looking at this man. I had a hard time looking at this man. Why would he say something like that? Because this was the man who was responsible for killing his own blood. His own uncle. Hamza. So as much as prophets are people who forgive and who understand that the, the greater cause and the greater goal is fi sabilillah, there is still a human side to every prophet. And not only do we need to know this, but we in fact need to appreciate it. If it wasn't for this human side, these stories, these ayat, these narrations would be very hard for people like you and I, Ammi people, it would be very hard for us to relate to them. Can you imagine it? I mean, you think about it. Some of my colleagues and I were talking about these, these verses earlier today. They were asking me, oh, like, which ayat are you teaching at the masjid later tonight? I said, oh, we're going through this ayat, this ayat, this ayat. And they say, subhanAllah, can you imagine if like, the ayat just ended with sabrun jamil? If anyone in here has ever lost a child, or even had the fear of losing a child, you know that sabrun jamilun is not always going to be the end possible route. There's going to be a lot of pain, a lot of difficulty. And this is what we see in verse number 84. So in verse number 84, Ya'qub alayhi salam, it says, وَتَوَلَّا عَنْهُمْ وَقَالَ يَا أَسَفَ عَلَى يُوسُفَ وَأَبْيَضَّتْ عَيْنَهُ مِنَ الْحُزْنِ فَهُوَ الْكَظِيمِ He says, as he turned away, وَتَوَلَّا عَنْهُمْ He turned away from them. He didn't show his ultimate sadness to them. وَتَوَلَّا عَنْهُمْ he turned away his face from them. Okay. وَقَالَ يَا أَسَفَ عَلَى يُوسُفِ He says, Oh my sorrow for my Yusuf. Because this most recent discovery of Benjamin being gone has now triggered his sorrow for Yusuf. يَا أَسَفَ عَلَى يُوسُفِ وَأَبْيَضَّتْ عَيْنَهُ he says, his eyes had become white from grief. His eyes became white with huzn, with sorrow, with sadness. And this is the ayah where Yaqub notably had lost his eyesight. He was so grief stricken. So filled with sadness and sorrow that Allah says, Abyadat Ainahu. His 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 eyes became white. Meaning that like he had he'd been so stressed, he's been touched with so much grief that he had literally lost one of his functions of his body. And so for anybody in here who ever claims that it is un-Islamic 
to be struck with grief at the loss of somebody in your life, I say with all due respect, this is, this is absolutely 100% nonsense. That if anybody thinks that in order to be a good Muslim that you have to hide your emotions, you have to stop being sad, this is absolute nonsense. Nowhere in our religion does it say to be grief-stricken from a loss, that it is haram to be grief-stricken by a loss. This person, with all due respect, has not done justice to this religious, to, to, the, to the study of this religion. What is discouraged is for a person's emotions to lead them away from Allah. That is what is discouraged. Is for a person's grief or sadness to lead them away from God. Or their happiness to lead them away from God. Anything that leads you away from Allah is something that is discouraged in our religion. But think about how many people's grief actually brings them closer to Allah. That a person who has nowhere else to turn to, besides Allah, they're making dua to Allah. How can this possibly be something that is not okay in our, in our religion? So he turned, in fact, the, the, the ayah says, anhum. He turns his face away from people and turns towards Allah. In fact, this is literally the direction of what you should do if you're sad. Turn away from people and turn towards Allah. It'll help you. It'll give you a lot of relief. It'll make your life better. Turn towards Allah. And he cries towards Allah, Ya asafa ala Yusuf, wa abyaddat aynahu min al-huzni, fahuwa kadheem. And he says, you know, he was filled with sorrow. And inshallah, we will pause there because in verse number 85, the sons that had come back, they respond to their father in a way which is very, very unfortunate. And if anybody, you know, is interested, and we're going to talk about this inshallah next Wednesday. If anybody in here is interested in how a person is supposed to actually soothe a person who is grieving, this next Wednesday, inshallah, is going to be the, 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 the class that you should be a part of. Because there's a means of how to soothe a person in an Islamic manner that everyone should take note of. Because this happened in the life of the Prophet wasallam several times. How, how, how are you supposed to ease a person's pain when they're going through something in this dunya? And how, what, what is the opposite of that? What are you supposed to avoid as a person? That's also inshallah going to be spoken about in next week's class. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of the people who learn from His words in the Quran. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of the people who, uh, you know, are, 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 you know, we keep the Quran heavy within our hearts 
and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to never allow ourselves to detach from his words and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep our tongues frequent in the remembrance of Allah and Allah alone and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to be people who are raised in the ranks in the hereafter because of our love for the Quran Ameen Rabbil Alameen Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik wa nashadu an la ilaha illa ant nastaghfiruka wa natubu alayk wa jazakumullah khairan wa assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu